Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our really very, very special Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday worship service. Uh, we're so glad that you've joined us, and I want to ask you to get ready. We're going to go into music ministry and worship the Lord together. So let's get our hearts ready and worship the Lord. As you are before your God, 
sun is rising over our city, Lord. It's such a privilege to be here with my friends here and my friends from Mountain Men, <laughs> Mountain Men Ministry, worshiping the Lord, proclaiming the love of Christ. And here we are on Easter Sunday morning, that your grace proclaiming, Lord, that your grace is enough. And as we look across our city and we look across the place where you have placed us, Lord. We say, let your kingdom come, Lord. Amen. 
Let your will be done here in our city, here in our midst, Lord. We pray the love of God. We pray the peace of Christ. We pray your kingdom in our hearts, in our homes here and beyond in the city, Lord. As we declare your love, your mercy, your truth, your grace. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you. We have this privilege of worshiping you this day, Easter Sunday. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. Your people sing along. 
faithfulness, oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. Thank you, Lord, that nothing can keep us apart from your love. You are so good to us. We marvel at your beauty, God. Yes, Lord, what a wonderful thing to remind ourselves and to celebrate the fact that you are alive today, that you came that you died for us on the cross. But on this Sunday, we remember that you rose from the grave and that you are now seated at the right hand of the Father, forever ruling the universe. And we are so honored and so it's a privilege for us to worship you today and to lift up your name. We pray, Lord, that as we continue with the rest of our time together in this service, that you will be with us and that your presence will continue to strengthen us and empower us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with us today as we worship on this really special Sunday. And uh, part of our worship always is we give our tithes and our offerings. And I want to invite you today, as we always do, to make use of this opportunity to give uh, to this, your local church, and to support us as we do the work uh, that we have to do and helping you do the work that God has called you to do also. So may you give freely as the Lord has led in your heart for you to give. Well, thank you for joining me for the message today on Resurrection Sunday. On Friday, I introduced the topping for this weekend, which is Behold. And Friday, we spoke about Behold the Cross. And today, on Sunday, we're speaking about Behold the Empty Grave. I want to remind you what the word Behold means. It's to really consider. The Webster's Dictionary is to have insight, to see clearly, to look at, to regard with the eyes, to direct the eyes to or fix them upon an object to look and to see. And on Friday, I said that, you know, in our culture today, often we, we don't use the word behold, but I also think it speaks to the fact that we don't often have the opportunity, the time, the focus anymore to really look at something and consider it very carefully. Uh, we often look at so many things at once that we're not really putting one thing and holding it in our focus. And I want to invite you today with me to hold in focus, to consider the empty grave and what that means for us today and how that has changed our lives. So we're going to go to the story of the empty grave as it is recorded in Matthew 28 for us. So won't you join me on this journey? So on Friday, I invited you to behold with me the cross. Today, I want to invite you to behold with me the empty grave. So the title of today's message is Behold the Empty Grave. I'm going to read with you today Matthew 28 verse 1 to 4. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was the light, like the lightning, like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So we pick up the story here where Mary and Mary Magdalene is going to the 
to the graveyard to go and see the tomb of Jesus. To probably in our custom put flowers by it and, and just to attend and give honor to the life of Jesus. Graveyards aren't things we normally go to because we expect something good or something joyous or something to celebrate. Graveyards are endings, are places of endings. Our life is celebrated with a beginning and an end, and that end is often associated with a graveyard. It's a, it's a place you go to to remember those that had been, those whose lives had expired, those whose lives has come to pass. We call it the final resting place. And so when these ladies were going to the graveyard that day, they were going to go and see the final resting place of Jesus. They were going to go and visit the place where his life would be remembered forever. And here we are in a graveyard today. And around us, there's all these graves that have names and, and, and little, little bits of information of the stories of people's lives recorded on it. And it's done in normally some kind of marble or stone or something that would last for decades and decades and even centuries. Some of the graves here around us are really old. And um, it's because people want to remember somebody's life. People want to have something that for, for generations to come, they can come back to and say, that's where my great-grandfather or that's where my grandfather or grandmother, that's where, where, where she, her life is celebrated and remembered and commemorated is at that gravestone. And so when we come to to graveyards, we come with an end in mind. We come with, with the, 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 a sense of sadness, a sense of loss that we come to a graveyard. And, and surely that's how the two Marys went to the graveyard that day, with a sense of loss, a sense of wanting to remember Jesus and honor Jesus and to come to that place. So I wonder if you can imagine with me. I know in Jesus' time it didn't happen this way where they recorded a, a birth date and a, and a date of expiration or a date of death on a gravestone. And I know that wasn't done on Jesus. But can you imagine with me that uh, if Jesus' gravestone had that carved in like it was ours, like in our day. And probably his would read, I know the dates aren't exactly, but we're just imagining at the moment. That his would have read AD 0 and then you know, born A.D. 0 and died A.D. 33. And um, that tells you a story when you see those dates on a gravestone. It tells you the story of how a, a, a person's life was when it started and when it ended. Some lives, you know, went for a long period of time. Uh, right here next to me, there's a, a grave that, uh, that has on it two people that are buried in this plot. And uh, the husband and wife. And the one... Uh, was born in 1905 and died in 1941, the husband. So he lived 36 years roundabout. And that tells you, similar to what Jesus went through, that that was a life in its prime probably, a life with much promise, a life that there was much expectation of this life still. And then you have other lives like his wife. And uh, she was born in 1904 and passed away in 1999. So she lived 96 years, a whole 60 years difference in their life journey. And that's what graves tell us. They tell us a little bit about somebody and how long they lived. And some of the stories have almost a, a greater sense of tragedy to it than others. And Jesus' life, certainly, it was one of those where 33 years old roundabout, that's very young, to have passed away, to have died. And so these two Marys came as the first of the followers of Christ to come and pay their respects, to come to a graveyard, to consider the end of a life and to remember a life that was well lived but has come to an end. 
So while they came to the grave to expect to celebrate and remember the life of Jesus that had ended, they were in for a surprise. Because we read in uh, Acts 28, verse 5 to 7, and obviously, you know, in the previous scene, we read about the angel. So they knew something was up, something was different. There was a massive event taking place. Uh, But in verse 5, we read, The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. What amazing words. He is not here. He is risen. And that's what they experienced in that graveyard that day. A unique experience in any graveyard, a unique experience for anybody to have, to come to a grave and to experience that Jesus is not there. He is risen. Now, I I want to recognize that in many graveyards all over the world, there are empty tombs where there once were bodies in them, but they're not there anymore uh, because grave robbers are real things. And, and, you know, there's sometimes graves that get dug up and bodies get removed. But that's not what the angel says happened to Jesus. He says, he is not here. So, yes, there are other graves that have no bodies in them. We can also say the body is not here. But then he adds this part of it. He says, he is not here. He is risen. He's alive. He's not here, not because his body was moved, but because he is alive. You can actually go and see him. And that's the big difference. That was the surprise for Mary, the two Marys, as they came to the, to the grave. They were expecting to remember Jesus, and now they're told they can actually go and carry on their relationship with Jesus and go somewhere later that day into Galilee, and they will see him again. The story's not ended. When you come to a graveyard, like I said, you come to remember the ending of something, but here they come to, to, to realize that this is not the end. There's merely just a pause that happened for a moment and that Jesus' life is carrying on. He is still alive. Now, you may also say to me, yes, but it's not only Jesus that rose from the dead. I mean, right close to that area. In Bethany, there was the story of Lazarus that rose from the dead. And, um, and so there's Lazarus' grave that you, you can go look at. And the angel could have said, he is not here, he is risen. That is the same of Jesus. But that's where the third statement which the angel makes is so important. Where, it, where, where he says, he is not risen, he uh, he, uh, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Jesus foretold that he would rise from the dead. In Matthew 17, verse 22 to 23, we read what Jesus said. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. No euphemism there. No hidden secret language. No symbolic language. Very clear, very straightforward. Jesus said, I am going to die and but I will rise on the third day. So Friday was the first day, Saturday the second, and here on the Sunday when they come and look at the grave, just as Jesus said, he rose from the dead. You see, the difference between him and Lazarus is that Lazarus was risen from the dead, but not by his own power. Lazarus required Jesus to command him. Remember, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. It's by the agency and the power of Jesus Christ that Lazarus was risen from the dead. 
While Jesus, when he was risen from the dead, there was no outside power needed. Nobody had to stand outside the grave and give Jesus a command to say, Jesus, come forth. Because Jesus is the giver of life. And therefore, by his own authority and his own power, just as he said, he rose from the dead and the grave is empty. Jesus is the final authority. Jesus is the hope. And therefore today when I say to you, come and behold with me the empty grave, that is a very important thing for us to do, to look, to hold in our thinking, to consider what this empty grave means. Not only that Jesus is, is powerful and that death couldn't hold him, but that he is the highest authority over death. He conquered death. He is the one that can give life. He is the one for whom there is no ending. He is the one that gives us hope. And suddenly this graveyard, this site where Mary and Mary Magdalene comes, is no longer just a place of remembering a life and, and thinking the ending of a life, but it becomes the beginning of life. It becomes the, the place where we mark that our lives began without the curse of death. At this moment. So this graveside becomes a place of hope and a place of joy and a place of thanksgiving to celebrate our eternal life that has become possible because, because of these words. And I want to read this for you again. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Hallelujah. Yes, so what it means for us that Jesus has risen is that now, as the scripture says, he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he is preparing a place for us. I want to read for you Hebrews 1 verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So the grave wasn't the end for Jesus. The resurrection was the, the point where he moved into again taking up and being ready to take up his position at the right hand of the Father and to forever be the exact representation of who the glory of God is and to rule the universe from his power as creator and the sustainer of life to, to rule this world. And that's what we celebrate today, that our Jesus is on the throne, that he is ruling, that he has risen, that he has authority, that he took away the sting of death, that death is no longer, not only for him, but the scripture says he was the first to be raised from the dead, but that in him we will all have resurrection life. In him, every one of us will live for eternity with him in his glory and in his rulership. And that's what we celebrate today. Isn't that so fantastic? And that's the privilege, not only of what we get, but of what we are to proclaim to others. So the last section of Matthew 28, I want to read for you, is verse 18 to 20. And just remind you of this very, very well-known scripture, which we call the Great Commission, where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what Jesus is saying here, that he has been given the authority to be the ruler of this universe and of this world also, of our earth and of the people on this planet. And we can go forth in that authority to go and proclaim the truth of who Jesus is, to go and tell the story of God that came in the form of a man and lived among us. And though he was pure and innocent, he was 
he was placed on a cross and on that cross he carried the, the shame and the guilt of our sin and paid the price for our sin. And on the third day he rose from the dead and he conquered death and then he ascended to heaven and he sits forevermore at the right hand of the Father to tell people that there is a God in this universe. There's a God that loves them, that all of this happened because God loves them. And there's a God that is inviting them to experience the forgiveness of the blood of the cross and to become part of his family and part of his kingdom. And we have the authority to do that. Even though we live in a world where people also have authority. People have the authority of choice. And in a sense, that is one of the greatest authorities in the universe, isn't it? That I can choose what to do with my life. Nobody can force me. And that's a God-given right. If I don't want to know Jesus, nobody can force me to know Jesus. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he doesn't mean that we have to go and subjugate people or we have to go and force people or we have to go and make people believe in him. It means that we have to go and tell them. Tell them about Jesus by living compelling lives, living lives that draws their attention, living lives that, that causes people to ask questions about why, why are you like that? And, and, and sometimes that'll be negative attention, not always positive attention. Sometimes the things that we believe and proclaim will bring negative attention to us. But that's, we have that authority. The world doesn't give us that authority. And the world wouldn't like us to right now even to say certain things. There's certain things as Christians in our culture that if you speak about it, the world doesn't want you to do that. And they will remove you from social media. They, they, they will persecute you. They, you know, they don't like some of the things. But our authority doesn't come from the world. Our authority comes from Jesus, who has the final. This Jesus that conquered death. This Jesus that rose from the grave. That the dead could not, death could not hold him. This Jesus says, all authority I've been given to me. Now you go. So you and I go in that authority with great humility. With great love. With care. We, we don't come across to the world and we try and force them and, and conquer them in that sense by, by beating them to submission. But we come and we represent to them this amazing story of the love of God. And, and we come and we share it with boldness, with lives that testify of how, how this reality has changed us. How we are being transformed. Because of the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus and the power of his forgiveness. But because the blood washed us. How we are being changed. We tell those stories to people and we refer it always back to the cross. And we refer it back to Christ and to say because of Jesus I have found. Not I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve my place in the kingdom of God. I didn't deserve my place as part of the family of God. I deserve judgment. I deserve to be rejected by God. But through Jesus it has become possible that I have a home. That I that was once far off was rebellious, what is against God. I have found a home. I have found my place in the kingdom of God. And that's not just for me. That's for everybody. All of us, every person on this planet that says that it is God's desire for all men to be saved. But we have the responsibility. We have the job to go and tell this amazing story. And it is a privilege. I mean, there's few things in life that will give you more joy and excitement than sharing the gospel of Jesus with people. Of telling people about the love of God and, and, and explaining to them how this works. And it does require some explanation sometimes. It does require people because it's, it's, it's foreign. It's different. You know, we're so used to working for everything in life and to come and tell people that salvation is free and that it's for everybody. And, and, and in a sense, it's not about who's good and who's bad, but it's about that we are all bad, that we all deserve judgment. It's difficult to sometimes help people to understand that. But it's the, it's the message of the gospel. And it's our privilege to live and share that message right here in our own beautiful city. 
to live that in these streets, in these office blocks, in these homes, in these malls, in these public spaces and, and everywhere we go to live the gospel, to be those that does this that Jesus says, teaching people to obey him, teaching people who Jesus is, sharing the truth with them day by day. It's our privilege. And not only here in our beautiful city, as we often say in Faith Promise, not just across the streets here, but across the globe. And so many that are joining us from different parts of the world for this Easter celebration. It is your privilege to go into your communities and in your streets and in your cities and in your towns and with your family and your friendship circles to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus with people. Just to tell them this wonderful, wonderful news. And yes, sometimes they don't want to hear it. Sometimes they don't want to accept it. Sometimes they'll give you a hard time because of it. Sometimes they may even reject you because of it. But can I tell you, it's a privilege. It's a joy. And we have to do it because Jesus really died on a real cross. And he really rose from the dead. And he really sits at the right hand of the Father. So I want to invite you, as, we have beho- as, as I've invited you for this weekend, to behold. To behold, first of all, the cross as we did on Friday. And we had that communion on Friday where we, we kept in our focus the cross and what that meant for us. And now we, be, we, we took time and, and I asked you to behold with me the empty grave and what that means for us, that Jesus is the highest authority, that he lives forever at the right hand of the Father. Now I want to ask you to behold with me the Great Commission. Won't you hold in your vision, hold in your sight, hold in your mind, in your reasoning, in your thinking, and hold in your heart this Great Commission to go and make disciples. And ask the Lord, just continuously with me to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to fulfill the Great Commission in the place and the space and the context that you've called me on my forefront Give me the opportunity to be that person that takes the gospel forth and shares and teaches about about Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you gave me the Holy Spirit to empower me to do that. So as I finish today, and I want to again say thank you for joining us for today, for celebrating together today. And I trust that that you've been stirred by this message and, and just God has spoken to you. But I want to end with a word of prayer and pray for all of us to be the people that will share the message of the Lord Jesus. Because we have seen, we have beheld, and we have understood, and therefore we go and we share with others. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for sending your son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to die on a cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose by your own authority and your own agency. You rose on the third day. And thank you, Lord, that you ultimately ascended into heaven and that you are seated at the right hand of the Father and that we can now be the ones that have the privilege of sharing that message. And I pray for every one of us that you would, by your Spirit, empower us to have the strength, the courage, the grace, the wisdom to be able to share this message in whatever context we find ourselves, wherever opportunity is coming around, in whatever relationships, Lord, that is at that place that we, we can share and tell people about Jesus. I pray that your church will go forth in power and in strength, Lord. In this time, in our city, and our nation, and across this world, that we will go forth in the authority of Jesus and share the message of Christ. And I pray today, Father, if there's people that have joined us, that today you've, the Lord has spoken to you and you've come to the decision of you wanting to give your heart to Jesus and give your life to Jesus and give your, your life even to in service of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for them that by your spirit right now, that this will be a marked moment in their life. This will be a moment of change. And I thank you for that.
in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed a special prayer today, and perhaps even if you've considered giving your heart to Jesus, right now on the screen there will be just prompts that you can follow about how to connect with somebody that's ready to pray with you. If you're in one of our watch parties watching the service, you can speak to the people that coordinate the watch party and they'll pray with you. If you have any other need, we'd also love to pray with you. So please reach out to us. Then I want to remind you that right now, after the service, in both the South and the East, there's special events happening. So I want you to get ready, get in your cars, and come. If you you live in Centurion area and you come to the South Church, you're going to come there. And at the South Church, they have planned with you a special time, which is going to include communion. That's going to start at 1130, a corporate communion. People are going to park in their cars and then you can get out and they're going to share communion according to the regulations. So if you're in the South Church, get ready to do that. If you're at the East Church, we have an Easter egg handout at the church. It's going to be great. And some other just gifts for the little ones. And it will be great to see you. The pastoral team is going to be there. So won't you get in your car and come through to the, to the East Church? If you live in that area, and that's the church that you would normally have attended and come and just be with a team and enjoy just they just want to see you and enjoy a little bit of a moment with you so may the Lord bless you as you continue to behold who Jesus is bless you